Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. So good to see everyone in the house of the Lord tonight. Uh, as, as some of you know, that's been following the teachings closely. Uh, about uh, four weeks ago, we started talking about prayer. And we talked about the, the, the kind of prayers that, that God will hear. We talked about prayers uh, according to what God will is, and we talk about prayers according to need, that we talked about uh, having an expectation of God answering your prayers, so it doesn't make sense to pray and not expect to get your prayers answered, because if you pray according to need, and you pray according to God's will, prayer will be answered. Oftentimes we wondering why God is not answering our prayers, and sometimes it's because we're just praying what ever we felt like praying and it had nothing to do with what God wants to do in your life or in your situation and so God kind of lay off and not answer those prayers and we're waiting for those prayers to be answered and God is saying well I'm not answering those prayers because that's going to take you to the left field if I answer that prayer and so we wonder and we get weary and we ask why why God is not answering this listen this God thing only worked the way God said it's going to work it's just the way it is. This God thing only works the way God says it's going to work. If I try to make it work the way I think and the way I feel, oh, Wayne, I've got some bad news for you. It's just not going to work because I can't play with God's plan to make it work for me. I can't. I can only experience the working of God's plan according to God's plan. And so we need to... Pray according to his will, pray according to need, and we need to pray knowing he will answer our prayers. And so after we got done with teaching about prayer, we jumped into the mission, the mission of Jesus Christ. It's called the Great Commission, and we talked about that last week, about the Great Commission. And so we're going to get into, uh, we'll talk a little bit about what we discussed last week. We'll do a light review, and then we'll go into today's lesson in continuing the mission. So we're still in the theme, continuing the mission, okay? And so I'll start with these scriptures Acts chapter 1, if you have your smartphone and your Bible and whatever you have to, to open up to the, the scriptures, Acts chapter 1, amen. amen, and we'll go into verse 1 and we'll read from verse 1 through 14. This is Bible study, so we do a lot of reading, amen, amen. amen. We do a lot of reading in this church anyway. I like the word of God. I like to bring you to the point of understanding in the word of God, so we do some reading. Amen. The other day, Sister Hadia uh, texted me about something she was reading, and it's not, and, and it was great because it, she texted me asking me a question about something I never thought about. And so, because I never thought about it, and she texted that I had to go and check it out for myself. And so that was pretty interesting. I, I like that. But that's, that's, you know, I, I try to let you all know that's what keep you on your toe and keep you growing. You have to have people in your life that, that you're, you're trying to bring along on the journey. Because if you have people in your life that you're trying to bring along on the journey, 
they're going to want to have answers to things that they don't know. And that will cause you to stay on your toes, meaning studying and praying and fasting and doing all the things that you ought to do where you're able to help them. And then you also have to have people in your life that are uh, ahead of you. You're, you're trying to get where they are. And so you're reaching for them and they're reaching down for you. So it's always you reaching down and reaching up. It's always that way. If your life is just based on you reaching up and you never reaching down, you're not functioning properly. If your life is all about reaching down but you're never reaching up, you're not functioning properly. You must do both, reaching up and reaching down. Amen? So Acts chapter 1, good to see everybody. Hallelujah. Always glad to see everyone. I, I just love coming together, we as people. Amen. So Acts chapter 1. Verse 1 says this, The former treaties have I made, O Theopolis, of all, somebody say all, that Jesus began both to do and teach. That's really important. We'll come back to all of these verses. Verse 2, Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Can I just pause there for a second and tell you, it is not a good habit to develop to always want to know God's plan. It's not a good habit to develop to always wanting to know how will this work. It's not a good habit to, de- to develop, well, how can that work and, 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 or trying to figure it out. If you knew that and you were good to, 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 to figure all of that out, then you would be God. We're not realizing there's only one God. And God has his plan. And so, if you're going to live the rest of your life trying to figure out God, you're going to get frustrated with this whole God thing because you won't get a whole lot of responses. No, it's his plan. And what he knows about us, if he gives us too much information, honey, if he gives us too much, we're going to go in the wrong direction. And we don't, we think we're smart. We think we're just this knowledgeable individual. But if he just tip his hand just a tad bit, we're going to grab onto it and think now we know and run into the wrong direction. Remember when he called Abraham, he didn't even tell the dude where he was going. Get up and go to a place where I will show you. Well, where I'm going, God? Just go to a place where I'm going to show you. Well, where? Just go straight. Well, what are we going to do? How am I going to eat? What am I going to drink while I'm walking through the desert? That's us. And God is saying, will you quit? If I'm telling you to do something, I've got it all handled. How many of you tell your children to do things and you don't have it all handled and all worked out? Well, why do you think God is all like, 
Verse 7. Check it out. He didn't even respond to their questions. Verse 7 says, And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the season which the Father had put into his own power. So they wanted to know, well, when are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel back to Israel? He said, it ain't your business. That's really what he's saying. Not your business. This is the Father's business. Verse 8 says, but ye shall, he says, but, but however, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Jude, all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received them out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. That's heavy right there. Do you know what that's saying? Do we know what that's saying? It's saying, now watch this. They stood and watched Jesus all of a sudden start rising from the ground into the sky. Just imagine that for a second, because we can't imagine that. So Jesus started rising. All of a sudden, he gave instructions. And all of a sudden, he started rising up like a string pulling him up. And he just started going up in the air. And they're like, what in the world? And then two men in white apparel, angels, says, you see how you watching him go up? Don't be amazed. Because just like how he's going up, he's going to come back one day. Has he come back yet? Anybody know? No, he hasn't come back yet. But this is our assurance that he's going to come back. The return of Jesus Christ is imminent. The return of Jesus Christ is sure and he is coming back just like he ascended. He's coming back that way. So we can doodle doodle and play around all we want, not believing. Well, I've been hearing all my life Jesus is coming back. I haven't seen it yet. Okay. Okay, I hear you. I'm just telling you, if Jesus said he's coming back, he's coming back. So verse 12 says, Then returned they, they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into a upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, Zealots, and Judas, the brother of James. They all went to this place where Jesus had told them to this upper room. Now listen to this. Verse 14, final verse. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Mary was in the upper room when they were all praying. For all the Catholic believers that don't know, just so you know, so you have understanding, 
They need to realize what they're following because Jesus's mother that they do the rosary beads with, they pray to Mary. Mary prayed unto God. So if I'm, I'm not praying to nobody that had to pray. You follow what I'm saying? Why would I want to pray to someone that has to pray themselves? So, you know, you got to be careful in some of the things that we follow. If, you, if, if she got to pray, I can't pray to her. And so I got to be careful what I'm doing and you have to be careful what you're doing. So she was in that upper room praying. And we'll find out later on that she received the Spirit of God. So, if you're Catholic, you should have the Holy Ghost. Uh, y'all don't, yeah, I don't want to lose you. I don't want to lose you. I don't want to mess you up. I'm just telling you the most profound, well, second profound person, because I guess, I guess the Pope is the number one and then Mary number two. I'm not sure how they do it, Mary one and Pope two or Pope one and Mary two. I'm not sure which way they go. But my point is, if you're following the Catholic religion, you should have the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues. Because Mary, who you prayed to with the rosary beads, she had the Holy Ghost. Alright, we'll get to that. But let's roll on here. And so, we're continuing to speak on the topic, the series of continuing the mission. Last week, at the beginning of the series, we talked about the Great Commission. Do we know what the Great Commission is? Anybody want to help me with what is the Great Commission? Where, where, where do you find the Great Commission in the Bible? Okay. What do it say? Paraphrase it, if you will. What did it say? Go and share the word. Uh huh. Uh huh. Did 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 we get did we did we clarify how we're supposed to approach the the the, the instruction that we received? I'll read it for you, just so we can be on the same page, so we don't lose anybody. In verse 19 of Matthew 28, the scripture says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Verse 20 says, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you even unto the end of the world. The question was asked last week. If the Bible is telling us we need to go in the world and teach, which we talked about that teaching means in that particular text, teaching means to make disciples. Teaching means to make disciples. What are disciples? Followers of Christ, disciples, followers of Christ. So, so, so the great commission that Jesus left for us was go and make disciples. Go and make followers of Jesus. That is our responsibility. It didn't say stay and make disciples. It says go and make disciples. So let me share this with you. I was sharing this with someone earlier today. Go means to go. You have to move. But but where are you going? You have to go where people are. You have to engage. You have to be able to get involved with something. Because, because if you don't go and get involved with something, if you don't go and get involved, we call it networking. But networking is just another 
fancy name of, of sowing. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. That's, God says we need to sow. Right? If you sow, if you sow plentiful, you'll reap plentiful. Bountiful, you'll reap bountiful. So, so whatever, wherever you sow into, you have to reap from it. I was, let me give you a good example. I'm going to be all over the place, but I, I, I'm going to keep, I'm, I'm going to keep you, I'm going to keep you. We've been going to Applebee's for a minute now. My, 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 my wife and I would go with my kids every once in a while. Sometimes when I get preachers that uh, they're not fussy and they just want to get something quick to eat, I will take them over to Applebee's. And most of the times we go, I'll have a, a conversation. I'll give somebody the church card. Nobody from Applebee's came to our church. But one Sunday morning, the Spanish family, Maynard and, and Juanita and, they, and their two kids, they came in the parking lot and says, we're looking for, you know, the pastor. We want to talk to him. And now they're here. Maynard works at Applebee's. I'm not telling you that for any other reason to show you God's way of doing things can never fail. He says, go. I went. I went to Applebee's. Sometimes I didn't want the food because I think it's kind of nasty most of the times. You know, I like good food. And so I don't really mess with Applebee's, but my kids like Applebee's, you know, it's close by, you know. Sometimes a preacher want to go, so I'll go. But while I'm there, we're at church right across the street at the fire station. Here you go. And so somebody from the fire station came, from the, from the Applebee's came. So when the scripture tells us to go, it means just not walk about like you lost. Go and engage. And don't go and just start telling people you need to go to church. Jesus is Lord. You need to repent. No, no, no. That's all, that's all what I'm talking about. I'll get into that a little bit. Well, I can get into it now. Making disciples, Brother D, forces us to engage in relationship, Ani. That's what our big issue is right now. This is why the church as a whole has slowed down in being a witness for Christ. Because being a witness for Christ means relationship. It means going and sowing. It means interacting, engaging, and mingling. That's what it means. And so, because it means that, and today... We're trying to get an app for everything. I'm a Starbucks guy. They was really the first coffee place that I know about that came up with an app. So now you can boop, 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 boop and order your stuff. And all you have to do is pull up by the curb, grab your order and get back in your vehicle and gone. Because... All we're trying to do is make life easier, but what we don't realize as we're doing that, we're cutting off relationship and communication and interaction. So while these apps are working real good, and while it's really nice to have convenience, convenience means less interacting, less relationship, less connectivity. That's what it means. That's what convenience means. We, hey, thank God for Blue Apron. 
Nobody don't know about Blue Apron in here. Uh-oh, I got to get you all up on Blue Okay, so Blue Apron, they deliver a box to your house of food portioned out and ready to go. All you got to really do is pretty much put it together, slide it in the oven, they give you all the instruction, dinner is cooked. Well, what happened to the days when mom says, come here, girl, this is how we're going to cook tonight. You do this over there while I work on this. Blue Apron, it's great, but guess what? No interaction with mom and daughter. No interaction with mom trying to show the family how to cook. Because all she got to do is get it and slide it in the oven. So, in case you haven't seen it, the world is shifting to convenience and it's ruining relationships. It's ruining how we engage one another. And so, therefore, when you hear from the preacher of a church that's going to tell you according to the Bible, when you hear from it, that becomes very challenging and uncomfortable for you because now you don't even know how to talk to people. We all always on the go, so all we can do, just think, you, you hit your app. Listen, I will not lie to you. I don't know if this old school or is just how much I've practiced trying my best to live godly. I don't use my, I don't use my app on my Starbucks, on Starbucks. Very, very, very. I will only use my app at lunchtime when I'm ordering a cold drink. Because lunchtime, you gotta be in and out. But for the most part, I don't use my app. I wanna go in the store. I walk in the store and smile, act like I own it. You know, that's just me when I walk in, got the big old smile with all the teeth and look. Hey, Laura. Hey, Carrie. Hey, man, how you doing? I got to go in and do that. I've been sowing seeds at Starbucks for a minute and I ain't seen no harvest yet, but I'm not stopping. I walk in every morning. I'm not using the app because I'm trying to do what he says do. Go. We think go just means I don't know. No, we got to go. So we have to go. Listen, we talked about, it says make disciples. So many of us are lacking in the word of God and we don't really know. So I'm going to tell you the easy way to start with making disciple until you sharpen the word. is just once you become friendly with someone, just slip one of the church business cards to them and say, Hey, I want to invite you to my church one day. Because what you're really doing, since you are following Christ, just have them follow you. Maybe you can't articulate the way you need to about Jesus being one Lord. And maybe you can't articulate the way he loves us and how he died for us and what, you know, salvation is all about and that he's, re- he's coming back. Maybe you can't articulate one, that. I would like to invite you to my church. And once they come, you're going to spot them while you're in church and you're going to sit right next to them. And when you sit right next to them, you can explain some things. You know, I try to do it from the podium, but you can do it while you're sitting next to them. So they might see somebody running around like we had last Sunday. Might see some, some. They're running around. They're just excited about Jesus. They love the Lord. And right now, you know, the spirit of the Lord is just just moving them. And they're just so they're in 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 just just in celebratory mode. And they're just joyful because they feel the presence of God. That's what's going on. They look over, see somebody else crying. Yeah. Some everybody expressed themselves differently in God. Yeah. There's tears because she's just engulfed with God. And that's what we do. We sit next to them and explain to them. Or we say, hey, I can pray for you. You you guide them. And now they're going to be following you. But remember what I said the other day. 
it challenges you to start living straight up right for God. See, 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 I'm telling you what God revealed to me. This is not something I came up with. I, I'll tell you what the Bible says, and I'll tell you when God revealed something to me. And God revealed to me that we're shy, we're gun shy, and slow to be witnesses because we don't want anybody to hold us responsible or hold us as example to look at while they're trying to look on how to live for Christ. Yep, the Lord told me that, so I know I'm not even crazy. Some things I could be crazy, but that I'm not crazy about. So the Lord says, listen, people have to make up in their mind to live right for me. And then they will feel a lot more comfortable being a witness for me. Because they won't mind somebody saying, oh, you go to church today? Yes. They won't mind that. Remember, I said this uh, a couple weeks ago when I was preaching. I said this. Listen to this, because this is important. I said to the church that you don't mind people knowing that you go to church whether you're in school or you're in church, you don't mind people knowing you go to church. Yeah, you don't mind. What you are afraid of is them knowing you're supposed to be a sold out Christian. Yeah, because everybody goes to church. Going to church don't mean I shouldn't curse. Going to church don't mean I shouldn't drink. Going to church don't mean I should live holy and righteous. Going to church don't mean all that stuff. Going to church just means I'm a good person I go to church. But when you tell people, oh, I live for God, now they start looking at you. You go to church? I remember years ago. Man, God. I remember years ago, we worked with some girls. We was sold out new Christians. And we worked with some other girls that they was Christians supposedly too. And every time something go wrong, they said, the devil is a liar. Well, you know, the devil is a liar. And they would say that. And so people knew they went to church too. She did some things, one of the girls did some things that wasn't kosher, and the devil attacked her, or God took his protection off of her, whichever way you want to look at it. And she started going downhill and started cursing and started smoking. And she would start smoking where people was coming in the building that she used to tell, I'm a Christian. Wasn't good. Wasn't good. And some people are afraid of that. You're, you, you, you're not sure if you're living for God sh- enough and be strong where you don't want something to happen and now you're going to feel like, ah. if you live this thing right, God is not asking you to be perfect. He's just asking you to trust him and follow him. She allowed her pride in telling people, she was this big time Christian as opposed to when she messed up, she went and repent and then go back to the individuals and says, I'm a Christian. I should have never spoke like that. Please forgive me. I went to God and asked for forgiveness. And I'm asking you, please forgive me because I'm a Christian. That's not the way a Christian is supposed to behave. Why can't we live like that? Why are we afraid of doing that? Why are we afraid to do that? We're killing ourselves. We're killing ourselves because we don't do that. Here's what, here's what I mean by that. As long as you are trying to live incognito as a Christian, the devil is going to get the best of you. 
You just got to put yourself out there and say, this is what I am and now live it. God will help you and God will strengthen you. God will protect you. But, but, but when you are behaving lukewarmish, God says, I can't mess with you. You're incognito. You're saying that you're this, but you really don't want nobody to know. When you come to church, you tell everybody you, you're a Christian. But when you're not in church, you're not telling everybody you're a Christian. Why? The Bible says, Jesus says, if you deny me, I'm going to deny you. So what that means is, if you're going to act like you're a Christian in the building, but when you go to work and you go to school and you go to daycare, wherever you go, and you act like you're not a Christian, Jesus says, you're denying me. And so, if we're going to make disciples, it's not as difficult as you think. You just got to make up in your mind, I'm selling out to this thing. This is who I am. And if I mess up, I just got to repent and ask for forgiveness and keep it moving. But this is who I am. So, we says, go make disciples. We good with that? Any questions while I'm rolling, please don't hesitate. Put your hand up and just ask. We will answer the questions as best as we can for you. But... We need to go and make disciples. So everybody understand what go means? Yeah? No, not clear on go? Then it says to baptize. We, we talk, um, um, make disciples mean teach. So now we're baptizing. And we said the Bible says baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And my question to the congregation last Thursday was, why you did not get baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, if that's what the Bible said? Yeah, I asked you that question last week, didn't I? Did anybody answer that? Anybody want to go over that, reiterate that for me? Why did you get baptized in Jesus' name when the scripture says, Go ye therefore baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. Why did you get baptized in Jesus' name? Yes, Sister Aisha? Say again. Okay, that's great, Sister Aisha. Anyone else? What else did we discuss? Yes, sir? It wasn't the plural. Okay. It was one name. Right. There you go. <laughs> you hold on to that. So the other thing we said was, it says, Go ye therefore baptizing them in the name, singular. Which means, if, if the name is singular, why are you baptizing in three different names? If the if name is singular, then it must be a singular name that you need to be baptized in, not plural when he says Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Right? So that's why we didn't get baptized in the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Now here's the final clincher to that. Here's the final clincher. Is Father a name? Ah, there you go, teacher. That's the teacher over there. Father is a title. It's not a name. Son is a what? Not a name. Holy Ghost is a what? Not a name. So if you got baptizing them, you never got baptized in the name. Is it clear? If you got baptized in Father, Son, Holy Ghost, you never got baptized in the name. You missed the whole thing. They say go get baptized in the name, singular, but you got baptized in three titles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. And let me tell you this: 
Don't. Can you do me a favor for your own good? Don't just settle when you're living for God. This is different from everything else. There is no negotiating or gray area in God. Don't you settle. Don't you settle and say, well, what's wrong with the Father, Son, Holy Ghost? That's what it said. Well, I just cleared it up for you. That he said, go get baptized in the name of the Father, which is Jesus. The name of the Son, which is the Holy Ghost. I'm, I'm sorry, which is Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost, which is Jesus. So he said, go get baptized in the name. Not in th- these three titles. Don't negotiate God's word. Stick with what God said. Execute what God said. And then we said in verse 20 where it says, teaching. Now, remember what we said about that teaching. You remember the second teach. The first teach is to go make disciples. Right? What was the second teaching? Go ahead, say it out loud. The second teach. The second teaching is the prolonged, ongoing teaching that that paves the way for your purpose in Christ. Listen. Anytime you're trying to do something and you don't have a purpose in mind... It will not amount to anything. That's what Christians are trying to do. My, my bad. Christians have made their purpose to get to heaven. So Christians' purpose is to get to heaven. Remember what I said about that? If your purpose was get to heaven, God, because he's so good to us, would not leave us the chance to fail. So the day you got baptized in Jesus' name and got filled with the Holy Ghost, he would have raptured you out of here like he did himself ascending to heaven. You following that? If all your purpose was, was finally the day you came to a church... And you heard the gospel preached and you repented of your sins and you got baptized in Jesus name and he filled you with the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Right there when you started speaking in tongues, you have spoken tongues going to heaven. If that's all your purpose was, because why would he leave you here after you've been saved to leave you to be tempted? Why would God leave us on this earth to be tempted when all he had to do was just rapture us up into heaven and we can be smiling going up, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. If that was the purpose, that's how he would have did business. So now we know that's not the purpose. Living for God to get to heaven is not the purpose. That's why we're struggling. That's why church is not meaning anything to you. That's why stuff don't make sense to you sometimes because you want to hear something different because all you can focus on, I got to get to heaven. We'll talk to Jesus about that and see what he says. He'll tell you, I didn't just create you to go to heaven. That's not your purpose just to get saved and go to heaven. 
Your purpose is in one way, shape or form to help God make disciples and perfect disciples. That's all your job is. All of us, everyone that's walking this earth that is a bona fide Christian, our purpose is to make disciples and help perfect disciples. And not perfect in being perfect, but perfection in being whole in God, complete in God. That's all our purpose is. So the question will be, how are you helping God making disciples and perfecting disciples in how you live for God? Because that's where your purpose lies. Now, we don't know how exactly the job description will come later on. That's why you come to church and get taught. That's why you come to church and continue to learn because you will get specific job instructions to, to do what you need to do. And God will continue to work on you and build you and make you so you can be effective in helping to make disciples and perfect disciples. This is why the Bible says, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. You want to go check me on this? For why did he give the church those men of God? For the perfecting of the saints. For the edifying of the body of Christ. That's what he said he gave us the gifts for. So you're going to be a gift. Who you are is a gift from God. What you do is your gift to God. All of us are born with gifts and talents. That's the gift that God gave you. That's a gift from God, Luke. You are born with whatever is in you. That's a gift from God. What you give to God... Through your gifts is your gift back to God. Amen. What are you going to do with yourself? Oh, what, what are you going to do with yourself? Just keep on receiving. Yeah, God, I appreciate that, but you ain't getting nothing from me. Is that how we living? Who you are is God's gift to you. And what you do for God is your gift to God. And the only thing God wants is for you to help him make disciples, help him perfect disciples. Don't try to give God Dunkin' Donuts when he wants Starbucks. <laughs> That's what we try to do. You know, Don't, do not give God a Samsung phone when he wants an iPhone. That's what I'm talking about. You know? Don't do it. That's what we do. Can, can I just tell you that, Brother Sam? Don't go give her a Benz if she want a Buick. I'm just saying, if, that, if you know, we be trying to give people what we think they would like. No, no, no. Don't give them what you think. Know what they want, especially when you come down to a woman. Know what she want, give it to her. Don't try to get good. Know what she want, give it to her. Well, God is specific. And he already told us what he want. Don't try to give him nothing else. I got proof. You want me, you want me to say the Bible before you can give you that? Didn't Cain and Abel? Cain and Abel? Did, didn't Cain give him what Cain wanted, but Abel give it, gave to him what he said he want? What did he do? He received Abel's stuff and said, you Cain, until you give me what I say, I don't want that. 
God state, he never changes. And so you can't go give him what you want. You have to give God what God says he wants. And what he wants from us is to go make disciples and to help perfect disciples. You can give him everything else you want. But God, I'm just not a talker. So how about if I just go to church and maybe I can just sing or, or maybe I can do something. But God, I can't really talk to people. That's between you and Jesus. Because guess what? That sound good? You're not accepting that. He wants you to do what he tells you to do. And he wouldn't tell you to do something that you couldn't do. All right. So we understand the Great Commission. That's what I really wanted to cover. We understand the Great Commission, right? Yes. Any questions about the Great Commission? Any questions on what is telling us how we're supposed to operate? Any question? Anybody not understand any, what I said about the Great Commission about going? You can't stay one place. We talked about last week. If all you do is come to church, that's not going. When we come to church, a couple things just go on in church. We get instructed and we worship and praise God. Yeah, that's what we're supposed to do when we come to church. Get instructions. But getting instructions and not executing it, that's another story. That's another story. All right. We, we cool? So let's jump back into Acts. The book of Acts when we read uh, chapter 1. And I'm not going to keep you long. I'm, I'm almost there. But we're going to continue with continuing the mission. And so let's look at, it says, look at verse 1. The former treaties have I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Jesus started the mission. We have proof there that Jesus began to do and teach. You should be doing and teaching. That's what it says. That Jesus began. He started something. He taught it. And he did it. He didn't just tell people. That's, that, listen, it, it, it's one of those things. I'm always going to try to teach home Bible studies. I'm always going to try to go out witnessing and, and tell people about the Lord and hang door knockers. By the way, this Saturday at 930, we need to go witnessing this on the calendar. If you'd like to go, just come on 930, uh, meet us at the house, and, and, and we'll go out and do some door hangers. But the bottom line is, I, I just don't feel comfortable telling you, come on, let's go hang door knockers, but I never hang door knockers. I don't feel good telling you you need to teach somebody about Jesus, but I'm not teaching about Jesus. And so I believe that's the pattern of our Lord. He's asking you to do something that he's already done. Verse 2, until the day in which he was taken up after that, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. So when you get saved, since Jesus is no longer walking this earth, he will instruct you through the Spirit of God. You will, you, you, you will receive instruction from him through the Holy Ghost. And being assembled, verse 3, and being assembled, I'm sorry, 4, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which said, He, ye have heard of me. We need to stay in the church until God equipped us, equip us, 
and, 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 and do what he has to do in us so we can go and do what God needs us to do. And we'll see what it is that, 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 that he's talking about. So, let's look at the importance of continuing the mission. <laughs> Did you ever wonder why after three and a half years, this is important, catch this, why after three and a half years of ministry, Jesus went back to heaven? All right. So Jesus was born through Mary. He grew up as a kid. The Jewish law says that nobody could really start ministry until they were 30 years old. So all Jesus' life, that's why King David was anointed, but he wasn't king until he was 30. This was just, just the Levit- Le- Levitical law that they operate by that you had to be age 30 to really start doing it. Later on, we seen, we, we saw some of the, um, some of the trend of, you know, king being 14, but that was never really God's intent. Whenever you see things, anomalies, don't think like, for instance, God never ordered people to have multiple wives, but they did. It wasn't God's purpose for man to start ministry until age 30, but they did. So, so Jesus, show us the example. And so when he got to 30, he grew up and, you know, loved God, submitted to his parents, you know, went to the temple, all of this stuff. But when he got to 30, he started his ministry by selecting his disciples and, and training them and teaching them. After three and a half years, he ascended back to heaven because within those three and a half years, he died, he rose, and he ascended. My question to you tonight is, why did Jesus leave after three and a half years when he's the almighty God? He's the all-powerful God. He's the sovereign God. He knows better than us. He can do more than we can ever do. Why would he leave after three and a half years? Yes, sir. Okay, apostles were equipped. Okay, anybody else? He left them three and a half years. Yes, ma'am. Three and a half years, his purpose? You know how many people still was not saved when he left? Ah, you're going somewhere. So, look at John chapter 14, verse 12. Glad you touched on that, Sister Aisha. But I want you to see it written in Scripture. So, John chapter 14 verse 12 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Now, how much greater that we can do than God? He healed the sick. He raised the dead. Open blind eyes. He rose from the dead. I mean, he did all the miraculous things. So how much greater things can we do than he did? That word greater didn't mean better. It meant more. That word greater didn't mean better. It meant more. So when Jesus says greater work shall we do, he says more work shall you do. So here is what it boils down to. He said, John chapter 16 verse 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. 
For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him. In case y'all missed that. Oh God. Didn't I tell you that the Holy Ghost is Jesus? Now the Holy Ghost is being referred to as him. So you know when I say the Holy Ghost is Jesus, you know it's not an it. Now we go ahead out of habit and call the Holy Ghost an it. But let me read that for you again. But if I depart, I will send him, him, the Holy Spirit unto you. So here is what it comes down to. Honor, you smart. I'm going to help you tonight. When Jesus walked here in the earth, people followed him. They thronged him. They came at him. He healed the sick. He opened blind eyes. He did all these great, wonderful miracles. And as he was doing it, he was just walking about doing it. But he was doing it in a limited capacity. What he said is, greater works shall ye do. You know how we was going to do greater works? He was going to have to leave here. He didn't have a choice if he wanted the greater works done. Because he could have stayed here and walk and walk and walk. You know how long it would have took him to keep on walking, 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 walking with all his disciples? Walking, walking, walking. They would have got old and died and he still would have been young. Walking, walking. So that wasn't possible. So what he did was, I'm going to leave and I'm going to come back in spirit form to dwell in your hearts. That's how I equip you to do what I was doing. So the only way you can do what I was doing, I'm going to send my spirit into your heart. When you pray and you get filled with the Holy Ghost, I'm going to give you my spirit. And so when I give you my spirit, now, the first time he gave his spirit, the very first time people receive it, 120 people received it. Now he was one, walking around. Can 120 do more than one? Yes, sir. Uh huh. Yes, that's what the Holy. Well, we we got it. So so in Acts, when Acts in Acts chapter one verse eight, anybody want to get that and read it out loud for me real quick? Acts chapter one, it covered that, and we were going there. But if you want to pull it up real quick, this is going to answer your question, my good brother. Anybody have want to read out loud? Read it out loud, sister. I got I got to read over here. I, I know you were good. I got to read over here. Go ahead, my sister. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. So he gave us the Holy Ghost for what? For us to do what? Read it again. And what else? Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. And we come to church and we just talk in tongues. I talk in tongues. I talk in tongues. But why did he really give us the Holy Ghost? So we can have power to go and be a witness. But we still think it's about going to heaven though. We still think this is about going to heaven. He cleared it up. So this is what, what it was all about. So what he was telling us is saying, I can walk this earth for Thousands of years and be a witness. But how about I just leave and let my spirit come back and dwell in you and you and you and you and you and you and all of you can be my witnesses for me. Isn't it more efficient that way? Isn't it more effective that way? Or do you just want me to keep on walking around with a group of people following me for 2,000, 3,000? Do you just want me to keep walking? Get on the boat. 
come to America with my crew. Laying hands on the blinded eyes and me and my crew. That's what you want me to do all my life? Because that's what, that's what we, that's what had to be done if he didn't send back the Holy Ghost. And so now that he, he, he gave us this grand plan and says, I'm going to send my spirit back into all of your heart. And when you receive my spirit, now you have power, means you have authority. And now you can go and be a witness unto me. Go. What are we doing with it? Now you see the plan? That was the plan. That is the plan. We, he wanted us, he wanted his plan to be more efficient. He wanted his plan to move quicker. So he said instead of him just taking all the responsibility and doing, he's going to make sure all of us have the responsibility with him. And again, here we go. Should it just be the pastor and the minister and whoever in the church? That's still slowing down the plan. So it couldn't be that. It's everyone that received the Holy Ghost. The more of us that have the Holy Ghost to be a witness, the quicker we will reach this world with the gospel. Not me. I'm just shy. I don't talk to people. Well, give God back his Holy Ghost. Give him back his Holy Ghost. If you can't be a witness, give him back his Holy Ghost. I want this Holy Ghost, God. The Bible says without the Holy Ghost, you ain't going to ascend to heaven. So you can give it back to him. You have it. Oh, God. You got a choice. Yes. In other words, he was trying to tell me that everybody would get the Holy Ghost before you, everything is said and done. How are they going to get it? Okay. We all receive the Holy Ghost when we believe Christ. You don't have to be baptized to receive the Holy Ghost because the Apostle Paul received the Holy Ghost first, then he was baptized. So it doesn't matter when, how, when. Just, just get it. It's a gift that God is given. But what we do know is God give this gift of the Holy Ghost to whoever believe. He will give it to them in their prayer, in their worship. And we know the evidence of having it, we talk in tongues. That's the evidence. Now, there's a lot of people saying, I have it, but I really never talked in tongues. And I'm going to tell them, you make sure you get evidence. That's what I'm going to tell them. I'm not going to tell them they don't have it. I'm going to say, get the evidence like the Bible describes it. You don't want to just settle when this is your life. This is not like insurance when, you know, you didn't have insurance on your car and it total and now you can't collect because you had no insurance on your car. That ain't it. This is insurance on your soul. So everything about God, we better check it and double check it and recheck it because that's our soul and we only got one soul. This is not a car where we can just go buy another one. So we have to have the Holy Ghost and the way we receive it is by believing, worshiping, and praising God. God will give it to us as a gift. And we have to have it because that's the only way we can ascend to heaven. It's going to take the Spirit to help us ascend to heaven. So we need the Holy Ghost. But when we get the Holy Ghost, again, I'm trying to break us out of the bad habit. We have cultivated that habit of, ooh, I got the Holy Ghost. And now we're excited and all we can think about, I'm going to heaven. No! You got the Holy Ghost now. You got the power to start being a witness. And God has set this thing up, Sister Stephanie, 
that the more you witness for him, the stronger you become in him. Nobody's getting that. We think God is just wanting to work us. We think God is just trying to get us to do some work. And it's so hard. And God don't understand because it's hard to talk to people. And people are mean. And all this, we say all this stuff. And God is saying, just trust me and do what I tell you. The more you talk to people about me, the stronger you become. The less you talk to people about me, the weaker you are. And you're going to fall off. And you're going to blame everybody and wonder what happened. Because you took God's gift and didn't. Listen, man. You heard about the, the, the servant, the talent. The one that got one talent. The one that got two talents. The one that got five. The one that had two got four. The one that got five got ten. The one that got one. He hit it. Did nothing. God called him an evil and wicked servant. If we get this Holy Ghost and we just hold on to it and do nothing with it. We can't just roll like it's status quo. We're not rolling on this just to get to heaven. There's a plan before we came on board. And God is saying when you come on board, the plan is, I need you to be a witness for me. That's the plan. You don't want to do that. You're trying to live for God the way you want and it won't work. You're going to struggle. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to find yourself up and down. One minute you're in, the next minute you're out. Because you're trying to live for God with your pattern in mind, with your understanding in mind. And you didn't come up with that plan. God did. Somebody had their hand up. Holy Ghost just took me over. Sorry, I'm back. I'm back. The Holy Ghost. I, and the Holy Ghost override me. I don't have nothing going on but the Holy Ghost. Can I help you, Sister Aisha? This, this me. This, this not the Holy Ghost. This me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's deal with two parts of that. God don't give us nothing and take it back. You might be doing that. <laughs> you, you might do that. You might get somebody. You ain't treating it right. Get it back. <laughs> so, so you might do that, but God don't take back the Holy Ghost. Okay. So he's always there with you. It's just a matter of, are you going to be obedient to him that's in you? And so it still comes back to, if, if, if you just allow the Holy Ghost to guide you, you can, you can, you can fall into sin, get back on board and you're still good. The end of the day is this. You don't want to die in your sin. Anyone that dies in their sin, they go where Judas went. That's Judas. Judas walked with Christ, kept the money. He ate at the same table. I mean, Christ. I mean, he was, uh, he was touching Christ. And he was rolling with Christ. Everything was good, but Judas was stealing the money. And here is what happened. This is the idea. Here's what happened. If you don't correct your little sin, it's going to become a big sin. And you don't correct that big sin, it become a huge sin. And it just keeps going and going. 
And before you know it, you're, you're, you're just out of control with your sin. And, and if God comes back or you die before you get that thing worked out with you and God, oh, you're not going to heaven. Ask Judas. Well, only way you can ask him if you go where he go. Don't, 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 don't. Please, I don't want nobody going here. Please, don't. I don't want you asking Judas nothing. Don't go see Judas for no reason. <laughs> Do not go see Judas for no reason. I don't want you saying hi to him. I don't want you saying nothing to Judas. Don't even think about him. Got a question? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Well, remember, they didn't have the Holy Ghost back then. Yes. Yeah. We still experience, we, we experience that today, so it's no different that even with the Holy Ghost living us. So what happened is the Spirit of God was upon Saul as the king, meaning he was being influenced, inspired by the Spirit of God because the Holy Ghost was helping him to do what the Holy Ghost is working through this brother tonight. I can't tell y'all. Listen. Mark chapter 16, verse 20. Somebody pull it up real quick. Man, come on, Jesus. Y'all getting some, y'all getting some Holy Ghost work tonight. I'm, not, I'm excited about what that. Oh, Lord, stop your stuff. Turn to the, you got it? Who, who got it? Mark 16, 20. 16, 20. When you get it, start reading it out loud. They went everywhere preaching the word. The Lord working with them. God's spirit will thrive and inspire you when you work doing it. Saul had God's spirit working with him as long as he did it. But when he disobeyed, God said, I can't roll with you no more. So I'm snatching my presence away from you. So you will be ignorant. You won't know what to do. You'll be confused. And you'll be all messed up in the brain. Because my spirit was the thing that was keeping you right. But you want to disobey me? Now see what happens to you when I'm not even present with you. When I'm not even influencing. What's going to happen now? He became an idiot. So, modern day, I gave you modern day, which was Mark 16 and 20. When we go and do what God says, you're going to think you King Kong. You're going to think you the bionic man. You're going to think you are just Superman, that you can't be stopped, and you are right. Because you're doing what he say do, that's why you're going to be, hmm, let's go. Like right now, I'm doing what he say do, and he's talking to me. Not because I'm special, because I'm doing what he say do. And when you do what he say do, he will talk to you. Oh, help me, Jesus. This is too much for me. Oh, woo. I'm serious. This is too much for me. I can't go no more. I'm, I'm stopping right here. When the Holy Ghost start working, he, he zaps everything from you. Because you, you, you come out of human strength and you go to Holy Ghost strength. And Holy Ghost strength is all by itself. And I can't keep up with God right now. Because he really, really, really just trying to tell us something. And we better get with this. 
that he wants us to be his witness. He wants us to give out the, the church business card and says, I want to invite you to church. You cannot survive your Christian walk without doing this. We're trying to be a good Christian without doing this. And guess what? You won't make it. You won't survive. You won't meet God if you don't do what he says do. That's what it is. We're getting frustrated. We want to hear a good word. I need to preach something that's going to do something. And God is saying, are you kidding me? Forget about the preacher. Go read my word and do what it says. We come in. I want to hear me tell you something real good. And at the end of the day, let's be honest. If God want to talk to you consistently, guess what? He'll talk to you. So no matter what, you can get what you need. But God refused to talk to us until we do what he said to do. He refuses to talk to us. The preachers are the only crazy people that just keep on talking to people and telling them the same thing over and over even though they ain't doing it. God don't do that. When God tells you to do something, he says, I told you to do it. When he told Saul to, to kill everything, and Saul didn't want to kill it, he says, okay, that's what you're going to do? That's why Saul couldn't hear from him, because Saul wanted to do what he wanted to do. He says, okay, you're going to do what you want to do? I'll show you. We can't take God for granted. we got to do what he says, and then we'll hear from him. I can't stop doing it, because guess what? I want to hear from the Lord. I don't want to be confused in my spirit. I don't want to, oh, what's going on? I don't want to be lost because I know what it's like to experience hearing the voice of God and being led by his spirit. And man, oh man, to to have that absent from your life, you will just become an idiot. And you will, mm. that's why we wonder, man, here we go, here we go, here we go. Lord, Lord, stop, stop. When people backslide out of church, you know what, what's Ignorant about Christians. Girl, she left the church and look at her. She a mess. Girl, he left the church and look what he's doing, how he living. They, you right, they living like that because it's the Holy Ghost. It's God directing them that kept their minds right when they were in church. All of us in here tonight, we looking like we got order in our life. We look like we somebody's child and we living our life like we got some order in it. You know why? Because you're letting God be in your life. You leave God and see what you, you're going to say to yourself, I can't believe I'm doing this. Exactly. Because it's God that keep us sane, but we want to think we smart and intelligent and we can keep ourselves sane. We can't. And when sin is in your life and you're living wrong, God ain't in it. And you're a mess. And you're wondering, why am I doing this? Because sin is ruling you and not God. Let's stand. We're going to pray and get out of here. I'm done. Yes, ma'am.